Want to know why? Ask how. Howard, the humongous. Okay, we have to push a button. Bear with me. Brett Kavanaugh has been appointed to the Supreme Court by the Senate in one of the most contentious Supreme Court confirmation battles in American history. But we've become remarkably oblique, remarkably silent about what the hue and cry over Brett Kavanaugh is really all about. The real issue in the great Kavanaugh debate is abortion, which means the real issue is sex. Most of those who cheer for Kavanaugh want Roe versus Wade overturned, and most of those of us who loathe Kavanaugh want a woman to make her own decisions about what happens in her own body. That's what the battle of the Kavanaugh is all about. It's about sex and sex's consequences. But when it comes to sex, the Kavanaugh battle is a learning moment. It's a learning moment about a shift in the relationship between men and women. Look, groups automatically form in human societies, and they are driven by their us-versus-them instincts. We feel warm and chummy, warm and fuzzy about each other. When we pit ourselves against an enemy, we demonize the enemy. We proclaim that everything our enemy does is a crime, and we say that everything we do is a virtue. In a democratic state, this leads to parties. The Founding Fathers hoped that parties would never spring into existence in their new nation. George Washington said that parties agitate the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms and kindle animosities. But parties evolved anyway. Why? Because a two-party system can be an advantage. Each party looks at an issue from a different point of view. And in crises, two points of view are better than one. And that includes the current issue. Both sides in the Kavanaugh debate have a valid point of view. Trump says that men accused of sexual crimes should be considered innocent until proven guilty. He's right. He's right that his enemies in the Me Too movement often seem to claim that all accusations made by women are true and that all denials made by men are false. The idea that all men are liars and all women are truth-tellers is not acceptable. However, Democrats also have a point. Sexual crimes usually have no witnesses. There is no way to determine what actually happened. This puts a woman who has been sexually assaulted at a huge disadvantage. Meanwhile, the old-fashioned boys-will-be-boys attitude has got to be banished forever. The fact that you will someday turn into a responsible adult does not give you permission to rape a girl when you are in your teens or to spike the punch at a party with hard liquor and quaaludes, then get some girl so paralyzed that you can park her in a bedroom out of sight and a line of boys can have sex with her one by one. There has been no retribution up until now, no accountability, no punishment, for boys-will-be-boys sexual assault. As a result, girls have been victimized. They have carried the shame and their pain for the rest of their lives, but they have been afraid to confess, confess what has happened to them, even to their best friends.
As Senator Susan Collins said in an astonishing and courageous 45-minute speech to the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee on Friday, since the Kavanaugh uproar, since the Kavanaugh uproar began, quote, I have listened to many survivors of sexual attack. Some were friends I have known for decades. Yet, says Collins, those friends never dared to tell her of the sexual attacks they had undergone until the last few weeks, until the Kavanaugh battle. Says Collins, who is a Republican, if any good at all has come from this ugly confirmation process, it has been to create an awareness that we have underestimated the pervasiveness of this terrible problem, the problem of hidden sexual abuse. But there's another message from this past week. Our culture wars have got to calm down. Our war between Democrats and Republicans, between conservatives and liberals, has got to calm down. We have to find a middle ground. For example, Bernie Sanders a few days ago called for a $2 trillion infrastructure program. Donald Trump called for a $1.5 trillion infrastructure program in his January State of the Union speech. Much as they might loathe each other, Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders have to work together. Look, we get a dopamine rush by hating each other. We get a dopamine high from coming up with new gotchas to blame on the enemy every day. A dopamine rush is a rush of a chemical produced in our brain that makes us feel as if we've just taken crystal meth. But while we scream at each other and get high on wild accusation conspiracy theories, America's roads and bridges are crumbling. Nineteen countries have faster Wi-Fi than we do. And as Donald Trump likes to point out, many of our airports are an embarrassment. Other countries have built high-speed rail systems and have made us look like has-beens. Let's stop demonizing each other long enough to make America gleam. Let's make work on making America what it always has been, a shining city on a hill. To do that, we will have to work together. We will have to work together. The real trick is to keep a culture war from turning into a civil war. The real trick is to make even our disagreements productive. This is Howard the Us, speaking to you from the future. It's your job and my job to make. Or, <laughs> want to know why? Ask how. And now for this, oh God, it's protected like, I hate to say what it's protected like, something in the female anatomy. This tiny little off button, where is it? 